What's up, everybody? I'm Joe Longo, and this is the Inspired Creativity Podcast. Each week, I talk with some of the most inspiring and creative people I know about how it is that they're doing what they do. And you would think, after 14, 15 episodes, that I would record a canned intro and just drop it in when I'm editing, but I have not. And I think it's because I like to see how it's going to come out every week. Maybe one day I'll sit down and actually be like, okay, this will be the intro. I don't know. I like this, this, the creativity and the ability to be silly with, hey, everybody, I'm Joe Longo. You know, it gives me that late night radio voice. I don't know. Sometimes I like to be silly. Anyway, this week on the podcast, I'm talking with my good friend, Daniel Sitaram Dasschenken. Daniel is a Philly boy now living in the Bay Area, and he is part of an organization called TAM Integrations. He's an integration coach. What does that mean? It means that he helps people integrate back after they have psychedelic experiences. Um, but how amazing is that? I know, you know, 20 years ago when I had my first psychedelic experience, I would have loved to have someone to sit down and talk to to be like, wow, I, I met God yesterday and I don't know how to deal with it, how to process it. So it really is an amazing service that him and his coworkers are offering. They offer um, circles you know, that you can go to coffee shops or different venues in the Bay Area and, you know, know that you're in a safe space and discuss the experiences that you had. So we talk about that a lot. Daniel is also a life coach. At the end of the episode, it's almost like there's a little life coaching session that goes on between us, which is pretty cool. So he really is. He's an amazing guy. He's been, you know, in my life for, for a long time and really, you know, pushed me in a way, in a very easy, loving way into taking pictures to yogis that, you know, became a huge part of my life. So thank you for that, Daniel. So I hope you all enjoy this episode. My little plugs are going to be short and sweet. Not a lot going on. I have um, mini sessions happening this weekend in the Wissahickon. If you're interested in that, they're 30-minute portrait sessions with me. It can be yoga, fitness. You want to bring your family out, your dog, whatever. You need some headshots for that Tinder profile. Whatever you need, you can head to my website, joelongophotography.com, click on events, and then click on mini sessions, and you can secure a session. There are a couple later afternoon sessions still available, but if you want to come, you can save a whole bunch of money and get a whole bunch of amazing photos. Also, I'm in the mix of a 40-day meditation, a prosperity meditation that I am leading in a Facebook group. If you want to be part of that, even though we're already 20 days in, the group is open. You can jump right into the meditation. The info about the meditation is there. There's an instruction video. There are instructions about the meditation. It's a kundalini meditation. It's a lot of fun. It's super powerful. And I'm also like every every day, every other day, I'm putting one to three minute videos in there of things that that pop into my head that I feel like sharing with with the group. So if you want to be part of that, also head to my website, joelongophotography.com, click on events and then click on 40 day meditation and that will take you right into the Facebook group. So that's all I got for everyone. There are some exciting things happening, really big project that I'm working on that I'm not going to tell you about just yet, but it will be launching November 1st, and I'm going to need your help. So be on the lookout for that. Until then, enjoy the episode with Daniel. It's a good one. 
I will talk to you all next Wednesday. Have a great week and enjoy. Um, so we're live. We are live. And like I said, hopefully this works. What's up, everybody? This is the Inspired Creativity Podcast, and I'm Joe Longo. And today we're talking with Daniel Shankin, a.k.a. Sitaram Das. Hey, Joe. Hi, Thanks for having me. Oh, my goodness. Thank you for taking the time to sit down and chat about everything that's going on in your life because so much has kind of changed in a way. You're a married man. Um, yes, sure. That happened. You settled down now. Um, yeah, there is a settling. There is a somatic settling that does occur. But just the sense of kind of like home base and connection kind of hit me more. So it's like, you know, it, it was, it's very, it's a real sweet sort of uh, deep relaxation, like around loneliness and around being, uh, feeling worthy of being loved and things like that. So a lot of that kind of unraveled and there's a little bit more kind of spaciousness and feeling sort of that I have a place in the world. Do you think you feel your space in the world is more connected now? Yeah, I mean, there is, I mean, we know if we've studied any of the teachings of the Buddha, right, that the mind has a tendency to grasp and fixate, you know, fixate on, on things that it feels like it needs and, and grasp for things that it, it feels like it needs that it doesn't have. And a lot of those things are ego supportive things that make us feel like we're okay. And that our existence is solid and stable. And so a lot of that grasping seems like it's able to relax and release. And that there's something about my sense of self that is, I don't know, perhaps, you know, kind of validated or made stable and I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. It feels pleasant. Um, so that's good because, you know, I am a worldly person. Like, I'm not a monk, right? So it's not necessarily my day job to try and, you know, conquer the three poisons of the Buddha. You right. know, it's like like I live in connection and relationship to the world. And I'm happy to do that. And so there's this relationship and connection to the world that feels um, kind of broader and, and more stable and more cohesive. Mm, beautiful. So you're enjoying married life then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, that's, that's what I said. <laughs> exactly. Stable, secure, all wonderful things. I really wanted to chat about everything that you're doing with in the psychedelic world. Mm, okay. Mostly because it's psychedelics and I think people are still like, oh, you know, confused about it. Okay. Maybe think it's a bad thing. But right. That's what they say. I heard that on the news. That it's a bad thing, right? Yeah. I remember hearing that on the news like in the 80s. Right. <laughs> but you're doing really good things and helping people. What I'm most interested in um, is 
a practice call, that's called integration. Mm-hmm. And integration is, and I'll tell you why in a moment, why this is interesting to me. Um, integration is, is a process of taking the experience and then taking the good and the bad, right? The inspiring, the sublime, the poignant, the traumatic, the things that come up in these experiences and then figuring out how to make them a part of our lives so that we can grow, um, grow spiritually, um, heal emotionally and things of that nature. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So Um, what we're realizing is that, that there's a lot of substances that are actually not addictive, not even habit forming, um, not dangerous. Uh, there's a scientific study that recently came out that said psilocybin is one of the safest substances, um, you know, that's considered a drug that's out there. It's much safer than alcohol. It's safer than cannabis, definitely safer than, you know, opiates or, or nicotine. Right. And that people have deep insights and they learn things about themselves and they're able to um, touch old forgotten pain and maybe even old forgotten dreams. And, and those things come to the forefront. And then the question is, is, is then, you know, the sun rises and we're back in our ordinary state of reality. And what do we do with that in order to kind of be the person that we maybe saw we could be. I wish there, I, I would have known you or of this, I don't even know, probably almost 20 years ago. Dude, that's why I'm doing when, this. When I had my, like the first experience that I've ever had on psilocybin where, and it was dramatic, like traumatic in a way, but then it turned out beautiful. Right. But, and then when I was the next day, it was like, what happened mm-hmm. yesterday? Like, what? Where did I go? But I felt this connection to, like, for the first time in my life, I really felt connected to everything. Yes. You know, like that there really was no separation, but there really wasn't anyone that I can be like, hey, let me sit down and tell you about this experience that I had. And I think that really would have. I feel that the experience I had changed the direction of my life, right. of my spiritual life, because I really felt like there is no separation between anything. But it would also kind of left me in this haze because it was like, who do, who, who am I going to talk to? Because that was also before I was doing yoga. So it wasn't like I was in, like there was a spiritual community that I was in. Mm-hmm. You know, so really, you know, me and my friends were just, you know, being... You know, the kids. So with the integrations, you're hosting community gatherings, circles, where people can just come and share their experience. Yes, we have community circles that happen a couple of times a month. We keep having to add more because they keep filling up. Right. And we should stop. I'm sorry not to cut you off. But we should tell people where you are, because that's one thing I probably should have said in the beginning. Daniel is in, where are the circles happening? Tell us where you are. I I live in the Bay Area, and most specifically, I live in Marin County, which is 
just north of San Francisco, if you go over the Golden Gate Bridge, which is on the north end of San Francisco, you hit Marin. And Mm -hmm. that's where we're based. Right. And we have some circles. You know, we have events. Uh, We've had events in Berkeley and Oakland. We've had events in San Francisco proper. Uh, Our regular meetings, you know, are in in Marin. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, I feel like I totally cut off our flow. So you have the circles and you're having more of them because more people are coming. Because more people are coming. And... It's a, it's an intentional circle Mm -hmm. and there are, you know, there are guidelines and there are principles. It's not particularly strict, but it's understood that this is a place where we're, you know, we're sharing from the heart and we're giving reflective feedback, you know, which is different than advice. Mm -hmm. And so people are able to share about their experiences as opposed to, like science, you know, it's like we're not coming there to, um, you know, ask what is the difference between this substance and this substance and how many grams or this or that or, you know, fact finding. It's not it's not that it's this place where people can unpack, uh, you know, the the beautiful and the terrifying and the sublime and the um, difficult and the intense and be witnessed uh, by people who understand, mm-hmm. uh, because like you're saying, isolation and alienation is huge in this subculture. And wow. just like we're witnessing in the news, you know, in, in the political sphere right now, um, you know, women have felt isolated and alienated and unable to talk about difficult things that have happened to the overwhelming majority of them. Mm -hmm. And now they are realizing, oh, me too. And so there is this um, new kind of heart connection that is most likely going to create uh, powerful social change that's Mm -hmm. most likely going to be overwhelmingly positive. So in the same way, we have a subculture of people whose lives were touched by psychedelics who haven't had a place to talk about that. And, and it's, of course, different, right? You know, it's a, it's a little bit apples and oranges. Um, but, you know, people who have felt disconnected are able to feel connected. And there are people there who are new, who are, who are processing new experiences. You know, there's young kids. And then there's also, you know, people in their 50s who are remembering things from 20, 30 years ago. Oh, wow. You know, like that they didn't have, that there wasn't even a space to talk about such things. So they just got buried. Mm-hmm. Right. There was no there's no way to even give voice to it and no way to no purpose to even remember it. Right. And, you know, and there are there's laughter and there are tears. And there's, you know, a a sense of connection and belonging and safety. Mm -hmm. Right. Which, you know, if we've lived through the drug war, 
we know that things like safety, belonging, and dignity, you know, are sometimes in short supply. Yes. And so how do we um, offer that to each other? And even add a sense of uh, purpose as well. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that this wasn't that dance parties, that dance parties are fun, right? You know, I don't begrudge anybody who wants to take psychedelics and dance, right? Uh-huh. Um, but, but even in that, there is sometimes a new purpose that we want to step into. Oh, my God, I'm connected. Oh, my God, I matter. My choices have consequences. I can um, affect change in the world in a positive way. I, I have a new purpose. And, and what does it look like to support that and hold each other accountable to living in that? Yes. How how did this come about for you? How did how did this 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 start? Well, like you know, I was I did a lot of my you know heavy experimenting in the nineties, mm-hmm. and there was no integration that I knew of. And if you had a tough experience, you were kind of just expected to walk it off or just deal with it. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's a little bit of, you know, some of the toxic masculinity, you know, it's like, and we hear that in words, like terms like heroic doses Uh that were supposed to be these heroes that, you know, can eat massive amounts of substances and face, you know, all of our dark shadows all at once. Uh And so at, you know, at about nine, at about 99 or 2000, 1999 or 2000, um, I had sort of gotten a little beaten up. You know, I was going really hard and I got a little bit beaten up and mm-hmm. I didn't have, there were no integration circles and there were no integration coaches. There was just, you know, yoga class. Right. And so I had, re- fortunately, you know, I had a copy of Be Here Now that somebody shoved into my hands one night. Mm-hmm. And I had had enough spiritual experiences to be like, oh, this is like, like, I, I, I practiced yoga already. You know, I had, a, I had a yoga practice. And so I had this sense that like, oh, I, I'm, I'm into the way that kind of Ram Dass went. You know, it's like, like this, you know, these drugs have shown me this spiritual possibility and I want it. And at this point, I've just got to like do all the yoga I can do to kind of ground it out. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I was meeting, you know, people like Bethala. Remember Bethala, the Ayurvedic yoga teacher and astrologer? Totally. I will never forget Bethala. Okay. Um, <laughs> she's a very special person. She's very special. I'm, I've got a picture of her right here. And Mm -hmm. so she took one look at me and said, you know, and I, and I had been, you know, I'd been hanging around the yoga studio for about a year this time and, and keeping my nose pretty clean. And she was like, Oh, you're, you're just climbing back into your body. You know, still, you know, it was like, she just kind of took one look at me. She was like, you just need to like keep getting into your body and getting grounded. Cause like, you're still like hovering outside. 
So do you feel the yoga was helping you get more grounded and into your body? Yeah, it was my integration process. And But were you also experiencing like that euphoric feeling from yoga as yes, well? Sure. Or was it more just like the physical grounding in? But it was also, but it was, that was very pleasurable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's totally why I started my yoga practice. After my first Kundalini class, I really felt like I was on something, Mm -hmm. but I wasn't on anything. And that's why I kept going back because I was able to go into this space Mm -hmm. sober. Right. And it was wonderful, you know, that my breath could get me to where, you know, the psilocybin or the acid was taking me. Right. And And that's what kept me going back. Yeah. And so it was like, the acid had illuminated parts of my body and, you know, like the energetic system, but it was very <laughs> frenetic and scattered. There was no organization or cohesion of the energetic body. And there was no ability to kind of control it in any way or encounter it with any um, organization or, you know, um, um, responsibility. And so being able to do yoga practice and meditation practice allowed me to um, develop a relationship that made sense. Right. And a couple years later, uh, I met uh, Nishé Devineau at at an event, some event. Um, Now Dr. Nishé, she is a professor... Yeah, I believe she's in Cleveland now. She was just at, she was working at University of Puget Sound and she got a PhD in visionary literature. And she's she's studying uh, the intricate the the similarities between how poets describe ecstatic and visionary experiences versus the way people who take psychedelics describe them. Right? Ooh. So she basically got a PhD from the University of Pennsylvania in psychedelic literature. That's Um, very interesting. Yeah, she's great. She's brilliant. Mm -hmm. And she asked me to help her throw a conference, a psychedelic conference at the University of Pennsylvania, because she knew Mm -hmm. that I had done some event work and that I was sympathetic. And so we threw a conference called Psychedemia, which was the first psychedelic conference uh, hosted by an Ivy League university. Mm-hmm. And there was a woman there named Catherine McLean who had been working at John Hopkins, and she was sitting with people doing psilocybin studies. Mm-hmm. John Hopkins was one of the few places where you could study psilocybin in America. This is 2013 or so. And let me see. And what she was doing was measuring for positive personality change. They had come up with some metrics for, po- for po- personality, including like openness, generosity, flexibility, uh, various kind of mental and emotional qualities. Mm-hmm. And she would teach people some mindfulness practices some meditation session what's that like as they were before before in in preparation okay and 
And then while they were in the sessions, um, she would kind of guide them back to those practices, especially if difficulties arose and, you know, do some work with them afterwards, you know, to kind of ground them. And sure enough, their personalities improved in a measurable way. Their, you know, their openness and kindness and generosity and, you know, altruism increased. Uh And this, the fact that she had, you know, after, you know, having a yoga and meditation practice for, you know, that was pretty solid, you know, and for about 15 years and seeing somebody finally bridging these two worlds, I was really, I was impressed. I was like, oh, this is, I kind of knew this was happening because mm-hmm. I had talked to other people about like, well, what do we do to prepare people for these journeys? Because this was a concern of mine because I had wished that I had been better prepared. Right. And, you know, and people were like, oh, the medicine will just take care of you, bro. And and that seemed cavalier <laughs> and, you know, I didn't, I wasn't buying it. And right. so I just, I realized that, you know, one of the things Catherine was doing was this, um, was integration circles and integration coaching and you know, things like that. She's a therapist and she could, you know, do therapy in this way. And mm-hmm. that seemed great. And so, you know, I started to delve into what did that mean and what did that look like? And so a friend of mine, Howie Whitehouse, um, brilliant. He's a, uh, you know, Dr. Howie, he, and he studies a lot of young. Um, we started doing these integration circles because mm-hmm. we needed them. <laughs> we, you know, you were, you know, that's the thing is, you know, you give, you give what you need, you know, sometimes. Right. Yeah. Typically how I find my yoga classes turning out. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, this is exactly what I need to be hearing and teaching, right? Now, you know? Yeah. Um, comes out easier. So this is, was this before Oakland or this is now happening in Oakland? You know what I mean? Like this, those circles, was this still like 2013, 2014-ish? Oh, no, no. I mean, more recently these are more recently. You know, I Go moved, ahead. that happened at, you know, that, that time that was in, when I still lived in Philly with you guys. Mm-hmm. And I moved out here in 2014. Right. I wasn't sure if the if there were circles happening, if you were doing this in Philadelphia as well. No, uh, there were some <laughs> there was some fledging fledgling psychedelic societies and book studies and things happening back then. And I, I believe that scene has, has grown. And it wouldn't surprise me if there are circles in, in Philadelphia. I'm pretty sure there is a psychedelic society. I don't know what their activities are. So how long have you been hosting the circles in about six months? Yeah, I think we're I think we're at the six month mark. And they keep on growing. They keep on They're growing. Very successful. And positive feedback, like from the not only the people that are coming, but just you know, community. It seems to be accepted and not really I don't know. I get this idea that sometimes, you know, because it's a drug, it gets frowned upon where I I would think that some people might be like a little afraid to come to a circle. 
people like, people I'm might be afraid to come to the circles um yeah. well some of them are and some of them still come and then maybe some of them don't but i don't know about those right i know that there are some people that don't want to register for them online mm-hmm. and you know we we take both confidentiality and anonymity very seriously you know everybody we ask everybody to make an embodied uh, an embodied display of agreement that they're not going to share what they hear in the circles you know right. when what that means in a, an embodied display of agreement is they raise their hand <laughs> but it sounds so beautiful yeah well but but if you think about it is you know you know how it works as a yoga teacher it's like i want you guys to actually you know have enough commitment to holding this agreement that you're going to make your mind tell your body to do something right that everybody else can witness Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's simple, but it's effective, seemingly effective. Right. Doesn't have to be dramatic. Mm-hmm. Just be a nice, simple little thing. So, um, in the Bay Area, there is there's not necessarily a lot of pushback around people talking about their feelings about mm-hmm. psychedelics. Right. These aren't circles where you know these aren't circles where people are getting high. Right, right. You know, and, um, you know, San Francisco is, you know, fairly, you know, has a, has a fairly rich history of psychedelic culture. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's no surprise. And, you know, so, you know, people, what's that? It's a good place for it. It's a good place for it. And this is all through, is it called Mount Tam? Yeah. Integration? Yeah, the website is tamintegration.com. You know, the circles are all donation-based. Um, not only, I don't turn anyone away, and I don't ask anyone for money. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, you know, there's a, uh, there's a Shiva lunchbox that's out. And, you know, with a, with a post-it note on it that says suggested do- donation 10 to 20. Uh-huh. And, you know, and it has, it usually has money in it by the end of the night. Right. Uh, but there's nobody there really working the door. I, sometimes I do a little bit when it's full. I sometimes mm-hmm. ask people to pre-register online. And, you know, because like we really can't handle 30 people. You know, we get more than 30 people in, in the room and it's going to be, uh, it's going to be a little bit chaotic. Mm-hmm. So, where are these like coffee shops? Where, where, are they, where, do, where do you host these events? I have an office in, you know, I have a community healing office space mm-hmm. and, you know, there's a larger room. So I can see private clients there and then there's a larger room that can hold, you know, 15 people to 25 people comfortably to snugly. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's, it's got some nice, you know, the it's um, simple, but, you know, it's got a, some some cute Tibetan flags in it and it's got a, a couple of nice pieces of art and we create a nice vibe and we build an altar and people are encouraged to bring their own objects to add to the altar. 
Mm-hmm. And that happened. I always loved that. What? When I would, go, I would, I always loved that when I would go to either like like circle type things or yoga studios, and they'd be like, "Bring something of your own in and put it on the altar." Mm-hmm. It just, it's a sim- very simple little thing, but it always made me feel so much more connected, right, to that space because I was allowed to put something that meant something to me there. And you know, I wish people did it more. Yeah, it doesn't happen as much as I like. You know, there's some weeks where it's just my same old stupid stuff, <laughs> and it's not stupid. You know, I'm being silly, but um, right. you know, because they're sacred objects that I love and care about. But you know, it's like I would like, I would like somebody else's sacred objects that they care about too. Right, right. So along with the psychedelic work that you're doing, you're also a coach. Sure. And you're now branching off into Vedic lifestyle balancing. Is that what what what? Well, the, the thereabouts. Well, you know, we were both yoga teachers in Philadelphia. You know, for a long time, you're still there, cranking it out. And you know, so we were teaching yoga and meditation there. And when I moved out here, I got trained in a very sort of introspective and presence-based, very mindful coaching modality. Uh, Because one of the things that I found, you know, I kind of moved from vinyasa to yin, and it kept getting a little bit more quiet and internal. And one of the things that I found in yoga teaching, it was mostly just me telling people what to do with their bodies and what to do with their attention. And so it was very one-sided. And and that started to be, you know, that the interest for me started to decrease. And I kind of wanted to know what was really going on more with people. And, and how I could make sure that, you know, I was serving them. And kind of knowing what their actual goals were and why they were showing up. Uh, because oftentimes there's this very heavy-handed yogic ideal that you've come to yoga to achieve ultimate self-knowledge and to, you know, um, cast off the shackles of the self and to merge with the Atman Uh or something like that. Sure. We always want to merge with the infinite. Right. Uh, well, so you would think, you know, that's not actually on everybody's mind. Right. I know. I teach Kundalini yoga, remember? Right. People will come for a couple of classes like, wait a minute, I have to look inside myself? I have to do work? I, I, it's, this isn't about doing a handstand? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, sometimes people just, you know, have a big project that they have to get done that they're trying not to sabotage. Right. You know, it's like there's people, I mean, sometimes, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but you've had a big project to get done and then you watch yourself blow it. Ah, yeah. And you're like, I just wish that I wouldn't do this thing that's going to ruin everything. And you're saying that to yourself as you're doing it and you can't stop yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, or, you know, people have, you know, employees that are difficult to manage and they're finding that you know, because of their, uh, the way that this employee triggers them, that they're not managing them effectively. And so that they have to grow as a leader 
in order to um, keep their company afloat or things, you know, things of this nature. Right. So people have sometimes more mundane issues. Um, and I, and I have no right, not, I have no right to tell them that's not important to them. Of course. That they should just focus on like merging in with the infinite. <laughs> and they're like, what are you talking about, bro? I've got a board meeting tomorrow. Right. And so, you know, a coaching modality allows me to meet, get, meet a client where they're at. And then what is it called? Um, you know, work with them in such a way that they're, they're able to, to then look inside as a way to grow as an individual in order to meet those challenges hmm. in a more kind of responsive and generative and powerful way. Right. right. And with your coaching, since you are in California, you do this remotely as well? Oh, yeah. I was on the phone to, uh, to Bali last night. Nice. For example, I got a, I have a client um, who's in Bali that I talk to, mm-hmm. and there was even I was talking this morning to somebody in the South Bay, uh, which is San Francisco Bay Area, but it's still about an hour drive. So mm-hmm. we're not, you know, who has time to drive an hour just to talk to Dan? So you know, we, we just call. Right, makes so much more sense. So you, it sounds like from your yoga practice, you slow down in a way. Like it just like was this natural progression from the vinyasa to the yin. Um, but the deities were always in there. Oh, they were? <laughs> tell, me, tell me about that. Well, no, but, he, like, but weren't you always teaching and talking? I mean, I remember my first teacher training that I did, you were... You came in for the weekend to talk about all of the, all of the deities. Right. Well, that I have, I have a degree in art history. Right. Right. I always forget that, that you're an art history major. (laughs) So I was really comfortable. So that's what I, so I did through college. I um, sat and, and, you know, I did a lot of Eastern art history. So there was a lot of me sitting in a dark room looking at slideshows of Buddhas. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, and Shiva's and things like that, which, you know, was also not bad if you ate a lot of acid the night before. I'm sure that could be interesting. Yeah. So it's like, oh, okay, what what do you, you know, it's like, yeah, I'm going to go to class because I just get to sit in a dark room and someone's going to tell me stories about God. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I'm going to look at pictures. I can handle this. (laughs) (laughs) I would imagine that's a good way to uh, integrate back in mm-hmm. um and are you still teaching yoga or it pretty much is not much every once in a while kind of thing once in a while and and often still in in philadelphia hmm. you know every once in a while when i come back i'll stick a feeler out and somebody be like oh yeah please come do a workshop right and sometimes right. they don't but that's fine too because you know i've got family and friends to see right do you miss it Sometimes. 
Um, I miss it, but now I'm sort of getting that through everything else. Through everything so, else. Yeah. So for your the coaching stuff, is that also through um, TAM integration, or do you have somewhere? Do you have like a separate entity, a separate a separate um, website, web presence? Like, well, yeah, yeah, separate web presence that people might be able to find you if they're like, Daniel sounds like a great guy. I'd love to talk to him about some things. Right. Well, there's also Ctaramdas.com. And that domain name, you know, that has been, that's existed, you know, ever since I owned the yoga studio, uh -huh. ever since I owned Mainline Yoga. And yeah. And so that just sort of changes over time. And, you know, when I was doing a lot of yin yoga teacher trainings, there were a lot of yin yoga teacher training pages. And now there's, you know, coaching work uh, pages. They're, the yin yoga pages are still sort of buried. They're just not in the menu. It's quite a little right. archive of old things in there. <laughs> and the beauty of having a website for a long time is all of those fun archived pages. Right. And, you know, embarrassing blog posts, blog posts that I wrote, you know, 10 years ago. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was you. That was you. Um, Yeah. Do you find with your coaching, it's more of people looking for maybe business direction or kind of a whole general could be very random? Well, that's what I like about the Pur Purushartras, right? And, for and forgive my lousy Sanskrit. Um, it's okay. Um, some people come in through through a business doorway for sure. And some uh -huh. people come in through a more spiritual doorway. Um, they are not. And, and somehow they both end up kind of getting in, in the mix. You know, one of the nice things about coaching is that, you know, you are allowed to talk about practical things and the way it works generally is, you know, you're here you're in one particular situation. You would like to be in a different situation. You'd like a particular outcome. And then what do we do to get you from there to there? And so that basic methodology, that basic model works with everything. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that I, I, I started to notice is that whoever I'm talking about, whoever I'm talking to and whatever they're talking about, it generally falls into the kind of the buckets or the categories of, you know, the Vedic four aims of life. Right. You share with our guests what those, what you, those four aims you of share, life are. you tell us. No, I can't. Oh, <laughs> much better than I am. Um, please share. Um, Dharma, Arta, Kama, and Moksha right? Uh -huh. Are generally considered to be the four aims of life. And if you, sometimes you read, you know, various prayers, like in the Hanuman Chalisa, you know, they, they say that Hanuman bestows success in these four aims. You know, if you read various prayers to Kali, um, same thing, right? And so, you know, connection to the divine is, is, a, is a good way to get these. But 
Um, Kama, people are often familiar with through the term Kama Sutra. Uh-huh. And so that's enjoyment and pleasure and comfort and things of that nature. And that's something that we all need. And then Arta is sort of like your responsibilities, the things that you have to handle, mm-hmm. uh, whether you like it or not. Um, you know, as Ram Dass said, even God has to take out the trash sometimes. Does he? Um, <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, but it just, it looks like slaying demons. Right, right, exactly. Um, you know, and, and, and decaying, you know, the, uh, you know, that's the, that's the, maybe the Shiva function of, of destruction and transformation. Right. And then there's Dharma, which is right action. And that, that sometimes, you know, in, in the material world looks like living your truth. Uh-huh. Right. Like, like maybe you, um, have to work at a college computer laboratory to pay your bills, but like, you know, that it's like your path to be a world renowned photographer, uh-huh. Uh-huh. like that sort of thing. So that's like right. uh, sometimes a, a conflict between Arta and Dharma. Uh-huh. And then moksha is spiritual liberation. Right. And that's where we do our practices and our meditations that free our mind from mental obstructions and free our emotions from disturbing emotions and, and connect with that, which is true. Mm -hmm. So with these, when you're working with a client, you to give them like little exercises to work on each aspect. Well, here, let me, can I ask you a question? You can, Totally ask me. Will you tell me about like when you think about this, like, you know, you living your truth and 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 contributing to the world in a way that is uh creating positivity and evolution and and change and really just sort of like your heart's desire and your life's purpose. What do you think of? Ooh, that's interesting. Um well I think that I'm uh, I think my ultimate goal even though I'm taking pictures is really to inspire and uplift okay as many people as possible right and how that looks all depends on from doing a podcast to helping someone else do a podcast to taking beautiful images mm-hmm. and those that is I guess what I feel I'm doing okay <laughs> cool and so when you're doing that and that's like totally on point what's it feel like to be in your body oh that could range from the body saying why are you doing this you know to tenses and and um like when, when i create stress in my mind, you know, my body feels it. But when things are flowing, my body is also then seems to be flowing and functioning better as well. All right. Tell me about when it, tell me a little bit more about when it is flowing. When it's flowing, I almost feel like I am in that, like the, the, the flow state, like in a creative flow state mm-hmm. where without putting any effort in, creative thoughts are just it's almost like a download, just coming right into me mm-hmm. and when i it's almost like i can't take a bad picture right when those things are happening. like everything is just 
firing the way it's supposed to be firing. The right words are coming out of my mouth when I'm talking to someone or when I'm teaching a class. And everything is just in this really state of ease. Right. Yeah. Then when the stress comes. So tell me, right, what do you mean when the stress comes? Well, if. Um, if I if I get in my head about worrying about bills that need to be paid or clients that need to pay me, I I find myself causing stress within my physical body. Right. Like it just happens, and it typically happens mostly on the right side of my body. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so I'll get like a pain in my neck, pain in my like shoulder area. Every once in a while, my like bottom rib on my right side kind of comes out a little. Mm-hmm. And then I have to call our friend Kate and say, hey, Kate, could you please pop my rib back into place? But I really Oh, I didn't know that was an option. Popping the rib back into yeah. place? Oh, yeah. Okay. Kate's mad. So can I reflect <laughs> something back? Like as far as how yeah. this model works? Mm-hmm. So we started talking about your dharma. Uh-huh. Right. And this inspiring creativity and what that's, that's like when it flows. And then what we got into is, okay, so sometimes this isn't flowing because the Arta aspect of my life isn't in balance. Uh-huh. Right. So this thing's like, I need to get paid. I need to pay my bills. Um, I need to manage responsibilities. Uh-huh. And so you know, then the question is, is like, how do we get that to a place where it feels comfortable and easy as well? Right? Like, how do we get those two seemingly disparate aspects of your existence to play nicely together? How does that happen? Right. So what? Tell me what it feels like when like all of your responsibilities are handled. You manage to get everybody to pay you on time. You're managing to pay all of your bills on time, and those sorts of things. When those things are happening, then it's like with this beautiful ease, mm-hmm. I just drop back into that flow state right. because my mind is clear. Sure, and there are no pressures. Of it's it's just it's present. The, my mind is, mm-hmm. you know, I'm in the present moment doing whatever it is I'm doing. If I'm teaching a class or a workshop or on a photo shoot, it just slows mm-hmm. because I'm not, because my whole, because I'm 100% present with it. Right. Where if I'm going in with all the worries and concerns, my whole, you know, I'm not all there. Right. It might look like I'm all there, but I'm just not all there. Sure. Everything is firing and it's misfiring almost. Right. So some of the fun, like if we were going to do this for the next couple of months, you know, we would maybe, you know, troubleshoot some of these things that are pulling you out of balance. Right. Mm-hmm. Because the Dharma, right, is is almost, you know, in, in many texts you you about these four aims. The, the Dharma gets the primary spot. And that's the one we really want to be supported. 
And, you know, if like, if comma gets out of balance, for example, that can look like addiction. Mm-hmm. Right. And it doesn't sound, you know, it's like, not like addiction is pulling you out of your Dharma. Right. It's this sort of, and this is very prevalent in our society. It's like, you know, everybody's, you know, bi- you know, business is tough. Times are tough all over. And so it's like, what, how do we create um, both an internal mindset and, you know, s- um, emotional wherewithal to handle these things calmly and also effectively? Right. And, and which part of it, you know, has to be handled externally and which part of it is it is it is an inside job. Right. And there's no one size fits all. You know, the 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 four aims model is just a model, but the you know, the details are very individual for everybody. Right. Hmm. Keeping everything in balance. Mm-hmm. And and not letting that just be abstract. Because it can right. be such a platitude to be like, oh, seek balance. And you just, you know, just post that on your Facebook wall and everybody clicks like. Oh, right. Of course. Of course. So it's like, what does. <laughs> but it's actually doing the work to keep the balance. Right. In a, but... in a concrete way. In a measurable mm-hmm. way. But I think sometimes it's like you have to admit that there is an imbalance before you can fix the, you know, put everything back into balance. Sure. You know, like we have to keep the, the ego in check to be like, Oh, right. That's, you know, I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to be doing to stay balanced. Right. Well, and, and we, I don't, balance. sometimes I don't even know what that is. Right. Is right. Cause I mean, fortunately, like if somebody, you know, if somebody's coming to a coach, unless they've been forced to come, which doesn't really happen to me. Um, mm-hmm. you know, or some, you know, somebody's coming to yoga class where they have a, you know, a, a, a sincere desire to learn, you know, you're not dealing with somebody in denial really. Right. Which is nice. It's a whole other realm <laughs> dealing with people in denial. Mm-hmm. But I think sometimes even us yogis, could have some denial about things being out of balance. Right. Hopefully it just gets more and more subtle. Right. Right. And less and less, um, less problematic. Mm-hmm. We'd like to believe. Right. And it's always easier for, I think, for some of us yogis to walk around and be come more on the physical aspect of things. Be like, Oh, my, my, my pith is out of balance. <laughs> You know, instead of being like, no, no, this is what's, you know, it's more of the art of the Dharma. Something like that might not be the way it should be. Right. And I mean, I'm sure there's a way to work in the doshas into that. Oh, well, of course. We're all connected Mm -hmm. that way. So, so much, Daniel. We can talk forever about that. I mean, we've been talking for years about this. We have been talking for years, <laughs> years, um, which is great. I'm not bored of you yet, smarter. buddy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a, I'm a smarter person because you're in my life. <laughs> is that where it's going? <laughs> yeah, of course. I offered him hair and he just took my brains. <laughs> right. I'd love some hair sometimes. 
Uh, um, so, as we wrap things up, tell us again where everyone can find you. And if there's anything that you have going on that people should be aware of. If, you know, there maybe is someone over here on the East Coast, it's like, wow, I really, I would like to learn more about these integration circles. Or... Yeah, or who wants to talk about supporting setting one up in your own neighborhood. You know, that's something that we can talk about too. But, you know, my, my two websites are sitaramdas.com and TAM Integration. And, you know, TAM Integration has all of the, the right social properties. So there's a TAM Integration Instagram, there's a TAM Integration Facebook page. Awesome. So I'm going to tell everyone that is listening, definitely follow on social because Daniel is totally becoming a wizard with the memes. And it's funny. You're putting out some funny stuff as well. That's right. You know, I sometimes think about just putting out stuff that's boring and, and I, that my guidance keeps saying no. No, you got to keep that humor in there. It's what the world needs. Well, Daniel, thank you yeah. for taking the time to share your knowledge with us and for all the good work that you're doing for mankind. I appreciate <laughs> no, Thanks. I appreciate you too. You know, well, I'm serious. Like, I think as I, and we haven't talked about it, it's not something that we really should talk about, but as I've been watching everything that's going on in our country, uh-huh. I've often said, like, I think any any person that's an elected official should have uh, psilocybin experience. Right. And that's like a whole other 20-minute conversation, like why, why we think that. Right. Exactly. But should just be like a prerequisite. You have to experience this before you can try to do anything in the public realm. We had somebody in circle earlier this week who said something to the effect of, you know, I'm 60. I tried psychedelics for the first time when I was 51. So many wasted years. Right. Exactly. Like I'm, I'm happy I found that and felt that connection, you know, when I was, I don't know, 19, 20, 21, right. whenever it may have happened, because it really had changed my perspective on life. Right. Oh, wow. This was a lot of stuff. A lot of stuff. You know, I, I will also say this is that it's, um, you know, looking at you know, the way men are raised in, in our culture. Um, you know, I, it, it's, it's my thought that, you know, psychedelics are one of the tools, you know, properly used that will help raise better men. Yes. You and women, you know, of course, but. Right. But I, I feel we'll end it on this. I, I feel the men need to step it up a little bit. Yes. We won't go further into that. Um, well, thank you um, for being part of this. Everyone that's listening, thank you very much. And I will catch you all next Wednesday. Next Wednesday. <laughs>